Welcome to the Rockcast. I am your host, Monty Colvin. Who? That's right. My name is Monty, spelled M-O-N-T-Y. However, a lot of people spell it M-O-N-T-E, and that's really all right with me, as long as you get it right on the checks. And I'm not really sure why, but people also seem to have a hard time pronouncing it. Like, when I meet somebody for the first time, they'll say, what's your name? And I'll say, Monty. And they'll say, oh, okay, glad to meet you, Mike. And I'll say, well, actually, it's Monty. And they'll say, oh, Marty? And I'll say, uh, no, Monty, Monty. And then they'll say, oh, my bad, I'm sorry, Marky. Go! Yes, it's hard to believe that after all these years, people still don't know who I am. Even though I've recorded 11 albums... Been in Bass Player, Rolling Stone, and every major metal magazine ever made. I was on MTV, we did tours all over the world, and I was in the movie Airheads for about five seconds. And yet somehow people have no clue who I am. People wouldn't know who you are if they bumped into you on the street. And yes, I got to do a lot of cool stuff, and for that I am grateful. But the fame, being a household name, the notoriety, and the wealth and money that usually comes with that completely avoided me. I did not get the mansions and sports cars. Instead, I got a one-room apartment and a Nissan Rogue. Even though I am not complaining about my Nissan Rogue because it's a dependable vehicle that starts when I put the key in it. Which is one step above the Hellmobile that I used to drive. That's fantastic. But you're probably wondering to yourself right now, uh, well, how does a guy that has a career that lasts over 30 years and records that many albums not be financially set by this point? And the answer is actually pretty simple. I never had a hit song. I wrote a lot of songs. I wrote some really good songs. And some of them were even great songs. But none of them were hits. And so when I get a royalty check from ASCAP like I did last week, it's for $6, not $600,000. Wildly sad. That's right. While I'm on Facebook trying to sell a $500 painting so I can pay my rent, Huey Lewis is on a yacht somewhere saying, Yep, I wrote Happy to be Stuck with You. And even though I can't criticize Huey too much because he did play on a Thin Lizzy album, I think even Huey knows that that song sucks. Just like Daryl Hall knows that I can't go for that no can do blows. Totally. But you know, if Daryl Hall were to hear me say that, I'm sure he would go, uh, yeah, go ahead and make fun of me, podcast boy. I've got a TV studio in my house, and ZZ Top is coming over tonight to jam. All right, you are bitter. But you know, what are you going to do? Life is not fair, and that is your life lesson today from Uncle Monty. That's Monty, spelled M-O-N-T-Y, and I'm not bitter. Yes, you are. Well, I mean, I'm not as bitter as, like, Johnny at Ralph Macchio on Cobra Kai, 
Have you seen that show? I've, I've watched that with my own eyes. It's a series on Netflix, and I really like the Karate Kid movies. But this one is just so overly dramatic and cheesy that I just can't stop watching it. It's so bad, it's good. Now, the first thing you've got to know about Cobra Kai is that every single character on this series is an asshole. All the adults are assholes, all the kids are assholes. Some of the characters start out being nice, but eventually end up being assholes. However, some of the characters you start out hating, but you end up liking them. Like the guy who plays Johnny. He's been a bully and a dick in almost every movie he's ever been in. But in Cobra Kai, you're kind of rooting for him. Even though he's basically still kind of a jerk and he's abusing kids who go to his karate school. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. At this point, I'm only at the end of season two, and my only complaint is that there just aren't enough fight scenes. I know one to two per episode should probably be enough for anybody. But as long as I have to live in a world that is filled with assholes, I just can't get enough of watching people beat the crap out of each other. Yeah! Alright, so obviously I'm going to be all over the place on this show today. I'm going to go from topic to topic. And so why don't I just jump right in and review the new CD from Cheap Trick. I'm sure a lot of the other podcasts out there are doing the same thing, possibly even going track by track. However, the way I do it is I just play you a song or two, and then I just give you my opinion of the whole album. So here we go. Let's do it. The album starts out with a really good song called, uh, what is it? Uh, the Summer Looks Good On You. Check it out. song has a killer chorus. Now, is the rest of the album that good? Well, I'll get to that in a minute. But first of all, let me just say that Tom Peterson's one of my favorite bass players of all time. Robin Zander, one of my favorite singers of all time. And I did a painting of Rick Nielsen that Rick Nielsen bought. So I love Cheap Trick, and I have since the 70s. But as far as this new album, you know, uh, there's some really good stuff on it. There's a lot of Beatle influence on here, uh, some catchy choruses, and once again, Robin Zander just sings his ass off. But am I going to sit here and rave about it? No. However, I love Cheap Trick, and so I'm not going to trash it. 
They're one of the greatest bands of all time, and therefore there's going to be stuff on here that's worth a listen. listened to this album three times all the way through and then I sat back and I thought about it and I decided that instead of listening to it a fourth time I would go back and listen to their first album for about the 500th time because even though there's some good stuff on here there's really nothing that even compares to he's a whore or taxman mr. thief All that said, you judge for yourself. If you like Cheap Trick, uh, you know, you'll probably dig some of this. Okay, so I know a lot of you guys who listen to this show are Galactic Cowboy fans. In fact, maybe it's most of you guys. At any rate, I know that a lot of you have told me that you like it when I break down Galactic Cowboy songs. And so that's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to take a song from our catalog. I'll tell you a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff and what it was all about. And today the song is The Lens. It was off the Machine Fish album and it's really got an interesting story behind it. The year was 1993 and our drummer Alan brought in some music for this song and it sounded like this. So Alan Doss is not only a great drummer, he's also brought in some just uh, amazing guitar stuff for us over the years. He wrote the riffs on If I Were a Killer, he wrote the music for uh, Mrs. Leslie, and he's just an extremely talented guy. And he wrote the music for this song also, but he didn't have any words. Well, here's where the interesting story part comes in. The following story is remarkable. 
So around that same time, a local Houston PBS TV station wanted to do a mini documentary about me. And they came to my house and filmed me doing some painting. I played some guitar and talked about Galactic Cowboys. And they even followed me to the gym and uh, filmed me playing basketball and stuff like that. And it aired there in Houston and they called it Monty's World. And it was about 15 minutes long. It was cool and I uh, was very flattered. And shortly after it aired, I got a phone call from a girl who had seen it. And she asked me if I would do a portrait of her, and I told her how much it would be. And she said, yeah, let's do it. And I said, great, you know, bring clothes, uh, whatever you want to wear in the painting, and uh, I'll take pictures of you. Well, of course, there wasn't any Facebook back then, so I had no idea what she looked like. Well, she shows up at my apartment, and it turns out she's a goth girl. And she had the really white hair and skin, and uh, she was a little bit scary looking. She had a purse that looked like a casket, and uh, she had all these candles, and she wanted to wear a wedding dress. But we got everything set up, and I started taking pictures, and uh, as I'm looking through the lens of the camera, I'm going, uh, wow, I don't know, there's something kind of a little bit scary, a little bit maybe uh, disturbing here, I don't know. She seems like she might be a little bit troubled. I'm not sure. But uh, at the same time, uh, she's really attractive. Hot. Hot. But I stayed professional, and I finished taking the pictures, and afterwards I started the painting, and it was just turning out incredible because I really worked my butt off on it because I think I was going to charge her like 400 bucks at the time. And so I thought, this has got to be really good. Well, I got it all done, and I was really happy with the painting, uh, but uh, I suddenly stopped hearing from this girl. And I didn't know where she lived, and she never came and got the painting, and she never paid me. So I just kept it, and when we started working on this song that Alan had written music for, I told Ben, hey, I've got an idea for some words. And I kind of described some of the things, like the casket for a purse and things like that. And then he came up with some of his own interpretation as to what was going on with the girl. And we just basically formed this little story.
So we recorded this song called The Lens and we put it on the Machine Fish album. And it had been about a year since I'd finished the painting. And one night we were playing a show in Houston and all of a sudden up walks this girl. And lo and behold, it was the same girl from the painting. And I said, hey, what's going on? And she just kind of casually said, uh, hey, did you ever finish that painting? And I said, yeah, it was the best painting I've ever done. And she just kind of goes, uh, oh, cool. And she walks off. And I never saw her again. But I did keep the painting for a few more years. And I eventually put it up for sale on my website. And I actually ended up selling it for more money than I was going to charge her. So it all worked out. So that's some behind-the-scenes info on the song The Lens, and I think that was a pretty cool story. But now here's an update to that story that I think is even cooler. This is a very, very big story. Recently, I posted a picture of that painting on Facebook, and a guy on my friends list recognizes the girl in the painting and gets a hold of that girl. Well, believe it or not, she still lives in Houston, and she had never seen the painting. Well, she sees it, she really loves it, but she also feels bad, and so she writes me and says, Hey, Monty, I'm so sorry. And I said, Hey, that was 28 years ago, no problem. Uh, don't worry about it, it's all good. I got an awesome painting out of it, and Galactic Cowboys got a cool song. All right, let's do some questions from Facebook. These are random questions that people on Facebook post, and then uh, I see them on the news feed, and uh, I use them for podcast fodder. And the first one is of a nostalgic variety, and it is, what were your five most listened to bands or artists when you were in high school? I think that's a fair question. Okay, well, you know, when I was in high school, my parents actually wouldn't let me listen to rock music, or at least they didn't want me to. And so I listened to stuff like Andre Crouch. But what they didn't know is that my school classmates were bringing in their albums to art class, and I was hearing all kinds of stuff. Of the devil. And that's when I started borrowing eight tracks from my friends, and I would smuggle them into the house in my backpack. And I would listen to these at night underneath the covers in my bed or when my parents weren't at home. 
But the five that I probably listened to the most were, uh, you know, like The Who with Tommy and uh, Who's Next. I also loved Peter Frampton. Frampton Comes Alive was one of the reasons why I started playing guitar. I was also a big Rush fan. I just wore out All the Worlds of Stage, their live album. And I also got into Blue Oyster Cult, even though everyone told me they were satanic, and I was kind of afraid to listen to them. Because they're devil worshippers. So if someday I go to hell for listening to evil rock music, well, you can just blame Blue Oyster Cult. They're satanic. And of course, it was the 70s, so I guess I was like everybody else. I listened to a lot of Kiss and Boston. But a band that I was totally into that I don't think a lot of other people were was Wishbone Ash. When I was a senior in high school, I was learning how to play guitar. And they were a band that had two guitar players and every song just had all kinds of leads in it. And I just loved that stuff. another question from Facebook. This one kind of goes along with the last one. It's, you meet your 18-year-old self. You're allowed to say three words. What do you say? Well, I don't know that I would advise or tell my 18-year-old self to do anything, but I would tell myself what not to do. Uh, Let's see, three words. Don't trust anyone or don't sign anything, or don't get married. I heard that. But then as I was walking away from myself, I would say, good luck. When you get in your 60s, you're going to have your heart broken. However, the good news is, is that it's going to be okay. Because you're going to rebound, you're going to come back strong, because you're a bad mother (laughs) Sorry. Foul, filthy language. So those were some questions from Facebook, and yes, I'm still on Facebook. I'm not one of those guys that says, uh, I'm done with Facebook, I'm leaving, you'll never see me again, and then three days later, I'm back. No, I'm still on Facebook pretty much for one reason. I'm there to promote and sell stuff, and for the most part, it's my artwork. 
I found that it's a great way to show people what I do and let them see my paintings. And uh, once in a while, they uh, go to my website, montycolvinart.com, and they will find an extremely cool painting of a rock star that they like, and they will purchase that painting. Or they will stay right there on Facebook and they will message me and talk to me about a commission painting that I can do for them. But other than that, I'm like anybody else. Facebook annoys me. And what is it that annoys me about Facebook? Well, it's mostly the people. And it's not just one type of particular people. It's many. And you know who I'm talking about. It's that guy. Oh, yeah. That's right, that guy on Facebook. Screw that guy! And that's why I've come up with my top 10 least favorite that guy on Facebook list. And let's get it started at number 10 with somebody that I've talked about before. It's agree with me or block me now guy. This is the kind of guy who goes on Facebook and makes a post like, masks are very important. Everyone should wear a mask, and if you're not wearing a mask, you're killing people. And if you don't agree with me, then block me now. To which I will almost always leave a comment like, Bye. I say good riddance. Yes, I am always happy to block, block me now, guy. In fact, I don't even really have to think that hard about it. If you're going to insult me and piss me off like that, then I'm happy to do it. However, I don't always just get pissed off at people on Facebook. Uh, sometimes they just puzzle me. For example, number nine, rest in peace guy. And this is something I almost never see women do. It's almost always guys. They'll go on Facebook and post RIP and then the name of some celebrity. And a lot of times it'll be a musician like uh, RIP Eddie Van Halen. Or rest in peace, uh, the drummer of some band that we used to listen to in the 80s. And I always think, uh, why? Why do you do that? Because uh, they obviously can't hear you or read your post. However, I may have done that myself here on the show once or twice. So, uh, you know, uh, I'll cut you some slack uh, as long as you don't do it every day. Hypocrite! Now, somebody else on Facebook that is almost just like Rest in Peace Guy is at number eight. It's Wishing Celebrities and Musicians a Happy Birthday Guy. Now, if you know the celebrity or you're friends with the musician, you're wishing happy birthday, I'm fine with that. But if you don't know them or they're dead or they're on a list of people born on this day, then no, I'm not fine with that. And you should stop doing that immediately. That's insane. At number seven, it's here's what I'm having for dinner guy. This guy just loves to post pictures of his food. And I know you're really proud of that meatball sub that you just made. And you're probably hoping that everyone out there is thinking, wow, this guy should be a professional chef. But no, actually what we're thinking is, wow, again? Another picture of your dinner, really? And yes, occasionally I will take pictures of whatever I made for dinner and send it to one of my close friends. But I don't do it every day. And so let's just make a general rule. Whatever it is you're wanting to post every day, just don't do that. We'd all be better off if you just stopped. Quit, stupid. 
Number six is I just got vaccinated guy. Can we all just agree that having a nurse stick a needle in your arm and shoot some substance into you that you don't know what it is does not make you a hero? Regardless of what the media may tell you, getting a vaccine or voting is not an accomplishment. But for the record, if you want to get a shot of something that none of us knows what's in it or what it's going to do to you, uh, go ahead, be my guest. But showing me a photo to prove that you got the vaccine uh, is not necessary. You're a schmuck if you do that. Number five is cryptic message guy or girl. And this is something that women do a lot. They'll post a meme on Facebook and it'll say something very dark and kind of disturbing. But all of us that read it just go, uh, what the hell was that about? And let's just say uh, you're married to that person who posted it and you ask them what it means. Usually they'll say, ah, it was nothing. When the whole time they know exactly what it meant. And more than likely they were talking about you. However, if you are married to cryptic message guy or girl, you're probably used to their cryptic ways. Because they're the same kind of people who will send you a text message that says, Oh no, this is bad. And then not say anything else. And then you're left to wonder, did somebody die or did she break a nail? Either way, it's just thoughtless and annoying. She's nuts! Number four is Facebook man or woman who posts daily pics of their animals. Sure, we all get that you think that your pets are the most precious, cutest things in the world. Problem is, none of us out here want to see the numerous galleries you have of your dogs and cats. Why? Because we'd rather show you the pictures we have of our pets. Because if they're our animals, or our kids, then oh yeah, they're awesome, and you gotta see them. If it's your pets, or your kids, uh, not so much. Uh, we really don't care. I don't give a damn! At number three, another person on Facebook who annoys me is Outrageous Statement Guy. This is a dude that will post an opinion on his timeline but he will state it as if it's a fact that can't be argued with. For instance, outrageous statement guy might say something like, Jimi Hendrix sucked, case closed, or King's X is the best band ever and there's no debating it, or Olive Garden is the best Italian food in the world, hands down. I think that is true. Sure, some of the things that Outrageous Statement Guy says may sound ridiculous. On the other hand, anyone who has an opinion that they believe that strongly in, you gotta respect that, even if they're completely wrong. The stupidity! Number two on my list is Facebook guy or girl who posts vulgar or sexual memes one day and then post a Bible verse or say something spiritual the next. I'm very confused. Well, let me just say, if you want to post something sexual or vulgar, it's not going to offend or bother me. And if you want to prove how Christian or spiritual you are by posting a Bible verse, I'm okay with that too. But just don't be the same guy who posts both of those back to back. It's just kind of weird. 
In other words, if you want to tell everyone on Facebook that you got drunk last night and slept with a hooker, just don't ask me to pray for your uncle the next day. Yo, I guess that makes sense. And finally, at number one and the most annoying person on Facebook, that guy who is constantly posting pictures of his paintings while trying to promote his website. So there's my list of annoying people on Facebook, and I'm sorry to anybody that I left off the list, but there were just so many to pick from. For instance, my apologies go out to that guy on Facebook who sends me a message with a question that he wants me to answer, and then I take the time to answer it, but instead of saying thank you, he just sends me one of those thumbs-up emojis. A-hole! Or that guy on Facebook who has no communication skills whatsoever, so instead he just sends me memes, videos, and porn every single day. All right, dickhead. I mean, it's not that I'm offended by porn. The female body is awesome. It's just that at this point in my life, I'm well aware of what boobies look like. I also own a computer. So unless you've got something to say to me, uh, you can spare me the Titty Tuesday. It's just wonderful stuff. All right, time now for a new segment that I'm going to call Weird Cover Tunes. Yeah. I'll have to admit that I'm not a big fan of cover tunes. Most of the time, I think they're either pointless or kind of atrocious. However, sometimes, they're just a really good way to fill up the time when you don't have that much to talk about on a podcast. In your heart, you know he's right. This first one was sent to me by my buddy in Mississippi, Jeff Moore. It's extremely dumb, and therefore I thought it would be perfect for the rock cast. It's a cover of the Rick James song, Super Freak, and it's done by Bruce Hornsby and Ricky Skaggs. Prepare to cringe. She's a very special girl. The kind of girl you want to know. She's such a special girl. So that was Bruce Hornsby, Ricky Skaggs, and a guy named John Anderson. And not the John Anderson from Yes, but the country singer John Anderson who did that song, And We Were Swingin'. And I gotta say, those country guys are amazing players. You've just really gotta respect their musicianship. However, it does not stop me from hating this. That breaks the swingin'. as annoyed as I am. The next selection is from Paul Stanley from KISS. And he apparently has so much money now that he feels like he can just do anything he wants. 
And what he's done is put out an album that's full of R&B and soul cover tunes. Prepare your face to grimace. gonna get easier Ooh, child, things will get brighter Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier Ooh, child, things will get brighter Now, I'm not one of those people who expects my rock musicians to keep doing the same thing over and over forever. I get it. You have other musical interests and you want to branch out once in a while. But here's the deal. I got to go to a Kiss meet and greet a couple of years ago. And I walked in and I fist bump Eric Singer and Gene Simmons looked right at me and bumped my fist. And then I went over to Paul Stanley and he wouldn't even look at me. Therefore, instead of taking the high road and saying stuff like, uh, it's well done, or there's some good production on here, I will be honest and tell you what I really think, which is, I hate this. I still love Kiss, but I don't like this. So there's a couple of covers that I don't like, but here's one that I do like. They're a duo called Crash Karma. I'll tell you more about them in a minute, but here's their cover of Bananarama's Cruel Summer. Once again, that's Crash Karma, and I've got to thank Rockcast listener Greg Skipton for turning me on to this band. And I say band even though it's only two people. There's a guy on guitar and vocals who's from Germany, and he sounds a little bit like James Hetfield, but he's very cool. And then the only other person is a chick who is on drums, but she is a total badass, and she also sings. And they did this song and some other covers, but they also have a lot of great originals. So go to YouTube and check them out. It's Crash Karma.
All right, let's wrap things up now with a question from Rockcast listener Chris in Baltimore. And Chris's question is, hey, Monty, how's everything going? Isn't that an interesting question? Ah, well, thanks for asking, Chris. And you know, uh, so far this year, things are going really well. After almost a year of being sad, being alone, and uh, wasting a lot of time on dating sites, I recently found someone that makes me really happy, and I've known her for almost 30 years. She's a beautiful woman named Alex, and uh, she's smart, funny, and the sweetest person I've ever known. She also loves music. Uh, She's a musician herself. She plays drums. And we get along so incredibly well that uh, she's pretty much just become my best friend. And when she looks at me and smiles, uh, she just fills my life with joy. And so, as the kids would say, uh, we're going out. Isn't that just precious? Outside of that, it's baseball season. I've been enjoying some of that. And my Kansas City Royals are in first place, which is kind of surprising because they've really sucked the last couple of years. And if you're wondering how could this happen, it's because uh, the Royals picked up Carlos Santana. What? Yeah, Carlos Santana. Look it up. I thought the guy was just a guitar player, but uh, turns out he plays first base also, and uh, he's a really good hitter. And the dude must be in, like, what, his 70s? I mean, he played Woodstock. But he's on the Royals now, and he's driving in runs. But, of course, you know, there's probably about 250 games left in the season, so you never know what's going to happen. Do you have anything else? Outside of that, of course, like I mentioned earlier, I'm doing my paintings, which is kind of what I do for a living now. If you go to my website, montycolvinart.com, you can find all kinds of rock star paintings. I've also got flower paintings on there. Those would make good gifts for like Mother's Day or, you know, your wife's birthday or whatever. But if you want to just commission me to do something, I can also do that. You just have to let me know what you want and how big of a canvas you want it on and I'll shoot you a price. And some people think they're not going to be able to afford my paintings before they even talk to me about it. But I've actually had a few people go, oh, I thought it was going to be more. Cool. To which I usually think to myself, uh, well, damn, I should have charged more. Uh, yeah. But anyway, if you want a commission or you want to talk to me about anything or just say hi, you can always reach me on Facebook or email me at montycolvinmail at aol.com. And mail is spelled M-A-I-L. Are you done yet? Okay, I'm going to take you out now with a song off of a new album by a band called Era. E-R-R-A. And I really like the whole album. It's kind of progressive. There's stuff on here that sounds like Tool. There's guitar solos that sound like John Petrucci from Dream Theater. And a lot of the music is just mind-boggling. However, if you're a pussy that doesn't like screaming, then don't bother. But if you like intense metal that's got incredible vocals, then uh, you might dig this. And I just love this song. And so uh, this is Era, E-R-R-A, and I hope you like it. But that's going to do it for me for now. I'll be back soon with more fun and mayhem. But until then, this has been Monty saying take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like unless it's me. And rock on. 
This has been Monty's Rockcast. That's it.